Welcome to episode 16 of the DC Drop, where we talk all the news this week in DC movies, TV, and comics. I'm Tom. And I'm Zach. We will start off with the untitled Birds of Prey film, as it is being referred to. Warner Brothers officially announced a release date of February 7th, 2020. So that is, there's a couple other films that day. It's always tricky to look at release dates this far out and anything, but that seems like a good time for it, I suppose, as good a time as any. And we know it's going to be filming early next year, so that all makes sense. There, is, there are currently two other films scheduled for that release date. Bond 25 comes out the following week, but I still I think it's a it's a good release date. And there's basically year-round there are blockbusters coming out, big movies coming out now. So that is as good a time as any. Yeah, like you said, there's there's movies coming out. February still normally isn't like when you would release your biggest movie. You're still going around the, the summertime. And so that makes sense for this. I don't I don't think they're expecting or planning on this for this to be there absolute biggest blockbuster that year um but i don't know maybe it'll it'll maybe do the same or same kind of expectations as suicide squad and that came out in august so maybe i don't know it's a good yeah, I, th- I think it has pretty good potential and it is going to be lower budgeted but i still think harley quinn has a lot of fans margot robbie's interpretation especially and so i'm i'm pretty sure this will this will do well and i, I think february it can work really well too uh, next up, there has been casting for the untitled Birds of Prey film. So Deadline has an article about this, and they've said that Journey Smollett-Bell, who was in Friday Night Lights and True Blood, is going to be Black Canary, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead from Scott Pilgrim vs. World and 10 Cloverfield Lane is going to be Huntress. So they, these names, we, we talked about this last week because there was a lot of potential casting, um, and there was a couple different people for each role, but now it's, for these two roles at least, it has been narrowed down to these people. Yeah, so we have our, our first bits, Black Canary and Huntress. Uh, any thoughts on these? I know we talked a little bit when the shortlist was there, and you, you like Winstead, correct? Yeah, I'm not super familiar with um, with Journey, Small and Bell, but I am familiar with Mary Elizabeth Winstead from Scott Pilgrim vs. World, and I liked her a lot in that. And there's another article talking about how she's a really good actress, and she just hasn't gotten big opportunities yet, and so now maybe she's stepping up to bigger opportunities with this film. Yeah, and I don't I don't know a ton about either of them enough to to form an opinion, but I've heard lots of good things about their acting ability, so I'm excited about that. And that's cool to see the the team starting to come together, Black Canary and Huntress joining Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. So we, we the main cast is starting to come together. There are still some roles that need to be cast: Cassandra Kane, Renee Montoya, and Black Mask if he is the villain. So I think that's. But I mean, in terms of main cast, that's that's we've got half of it now, the big ones. Yeah, and that interview I, I alluded to earlier with Elizabeth Winstead, she interviewed with Observer and said she's excited that it's female-led both in front and behind the camera. And so that's obviously something that they're they're focusing on. And again, bums me out a little bit that there's not a female villain, but I guess <laughs> even with a male villain, you can still have it be completely female-led and be, have the female's perspective. So Yeah, and this is still rare for a female-led director and star uh wonder woman is the only one that really comes to mind and also the fact that this is this might be the first relatively big superhero film to be written directed and starring a female so that that's still pretty rare so that is a very good point it's going to be very female heavy uh an interesting thing from the deadline article they mentioned uh that this is quote a gotham that isn't protected by batman uh they just kind of randomly dropped that in there i don't know if that means like whatever is going on, say Black Mask is doing something and Batman's just doing something else in Gotham, not paying attention, or if Batman is gone or if he is with the Justice League or whatever. I don't, uh, any ideas on what that could be? Yeah, I don't know. It, maybe he has just disappeared 
into the night at some point. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I and I don't know how much they'll. I don't know. Do you, I don't know if it'll be a big part of the story that Batman's not there, or it'll just be kind of assumed or just mentioned in passing, or if that will be the big thing. Like we need to step up because Batman's not here. Yeah, I have no idea. But it is. You know, I don't. I don't need Batman to be in this or anything like that. But since it is in Gotham, you would think there would be at least a, a reference to if Black Mask is doing something. What's Batman doing? And it, and it could be back. Batman's just dealing with someone elsewhere, or he's tracking down the Joker, or whatever off screen, or he's with the Justice League. But it's really hard to speculate on things like that, just because we don't know where everything's going to sort of fit together um, in the universe. So it's tough to guess where uh, why that was dropped in there or what that could be. But yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily need. I don't want to want a Batman cameo really. Well, I mean, I'd be fine with that, but we don't need that. But since it is in Gotham, I wouldn't mind a mention of where what's up or what's going on with batman or or just you know he's even if it's saying he's doing something else or whatever yeah yeah and and i hope it's i hope that it, there's not a big focus on batman because obviously oh, you watch no, it shouldn't be right so I, yeah i hope there's some sort of mention of of why he's not there because just to maybe close that loop of there's this big thing going on in gotham and batman's not here to to fix it so yeah Yeah, if it it was in any other city we wouldn't even need that but since it is gotham and gotham and batman go hand in hand uh, i would think there would be some kind of mention so we also got a little bit of an update on that joker harley movie one of the many harley quinn movies in development uh writer direct writers and directors glenn ficara and john requa gave a little bit of an update they have handed in the script, and it was well-received by the studio, but they have no idea when it could film or anything like that. Vakara said, maybe if Birds of Prey goes well, ours will be next. Uh, he described They described the, the script as a mix of Bad Santa and This Is Us, which they have worked on both of those things. Uh, so a, an interesting mashup there. And he they said it even starts with Harley abducting Dr. Phil because she wants relationship advice because her and the Joker are going through some troubles. Yeah, uh, I, I've seen both Bad Santa and This Is Us, and obviously they've worked on both of them, and so they probably have a better idea of what it means to mix the two of those. I can't in my head picture how what elements you would pick from both of those to go together. And the the whole abducting Dr. Phil idea, this is probably just a crazy thing to that they're pitching, but I, I don't know. I don't know if it kind of depends, like they said, how Birds of Prey goes. Like, is it going to be ridiculous over the top? goofy comic book harley or is it going to be like a grittier darker harley because i would think that they want to keep the tone somewhat similar between the two films but maybe not because that sounds like a maybe a slightly different character than what i was expecting from the birds of prey film right i think they're what's interesting about harley she can be a little bit of a mashup with the grittier type crime stories fit into those but also be if you have harley you've got a little bit of off the walls bananas type stuff crazy type stuff where I could totally see that her like opening scene. She's in a fight with with Joker and goes and grabs Doctor Phil and says, "I need your help. This is what's going on. Sit down with us." And he is just terrified and sitting there in a room because I could totally see that. And then I could see them shooting him or taking him out to dinner, like whatever the mood strikes them. So I I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe they thank him for for helping or not. But I, that I, I think this could this has really cool potential. And I don't know if or when it'll get made, but joker and harley teaming up especially if they take inspirations from mad love and things like that i think that could be fun and again if if birds of prey is successful i think they this is another film that can be done for less than 100 million that has good potential joker and harley so 
Um, I don't want all of the films in this universe to be like that, but having one every once in a while isn't so bad. Yeah, and it's again shows kind of there. There, there's a big focus on Harley because I think she's a pretty bankable character, and I think they want to validate that with one more film before they make a bunch of new Harley films. All right, director Todd Phillips has shared a camera test of Walking Phoenix as Joker on Instagram. It is, it, I've watched this quite a few times. It, it's very, very interesting, very well put together, and we just get the glimpses of him in in makeup and the creepy smile and everything. What did you think of this, Tom? Creepy is a good way to describe it. This is a really cool, like no cost marketing thing to do is just to, to get it out there because people are going to start getting spy photos and things like that of filming. And so they shared a look at Joaquin Phoenix. It, it looks great. I liked it. Um, really cool video. The most fascinating thing about this film by far to me is what Joaquin Phoenix does as Joker. And even in this, I mean, he's just standing there. Like it doesn't really tell us anything about his performance, but you see it enough the quick little switch from smiling Joker to I'm going to kill you uh, look on his face and you see that right away. And yeah, I think it's really interesting to see more of that and what they do with this character. Yeah. And it's the the smile that isn't really conveying happiness. It's the smile <laughs> that's conveying evil somehow. Right. Which sounds easy to do, but I, I don't, I don't know if I could do that. So I think right off the bat, Joaquin has, has done a pretty good job at it. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, onto home media, WB has announced a 4K UHD release of Superman, the 1978 film that started it all. So it's going to be available on November 6th as a, an Ultra HD combo pack and digital, and it's going to be the original theatrical version, the 143-minute cut, and it, its special features are from carried over from the Blu-ray. So there's a producer's commentary making of TV special, which is really cool, and some other stuff. But now you can see Richard Donner's original Superman in 4K in all of its beauty yeah that's pretty awesome do you already have the blu-ray yes i don't okay. i don't even know how many times i've <laughs> i have this at least on dvd blu-ray i've got the there's the theatrical cut there's the extended cut from 2001 which added eight minutes in superman going through the gauntlet lex luthers and some other stuff then there was that tv version which i also have on blu-ray um the three hour and eight minute version so i don't know how many times i've got this but i'm also going to get it again on 4k because it's an awesome movie. So let's talk the CW crossover coming this December. We got an official title, and it is Elseworlds, which was released with a poster. Uh, first off, what do you any thoughts on this poster or anything like that, Zach? Um, I don't want to be rude, but the the Elseworlds logo thing kind of reminds me like in middle school using Microsoft Word and using the word art thing where you could like <laughs> you thought it was really cool to put this in. I don't know it. It is okay looking, and the bat signal, the woman, Batwoman signal, is pretty cool, um, but nothing super special about it. Yeah, they did. That is the very similar to the Elseworlds comic logo, but they just kind of, yeah, like you said, they just dropped it there right. on top. I, I think it looks fine. It doesn't doesn't tell me anything. The weird thing is the title. Yeah. Uh, so Elseworlds, you think of something, put something in your mind, which means basically out of continuity. Uh, is what I thought. In fact, DC Comics also always put in this tagline in their Elseworlds comics. And it says, in Elseworlds, heroes are taken from their usual settings and put into strange times and places, some that have exi existed and others that can't, couldn't, or shouldn't exist. The result is stories that make characters who are as familiar as yesterday seem as fresh as tomorrow. So what was your in initial reaction to it being titled Elseworlds? Uh, basically exactly the same. I was like, oh, so this is going to happen somewhere out of the timeline, out of the continuity of the normal shows. It's not going to 
be entwined in it or affect it at all. It's just going to be a way to tell a story that isn't really related to this, just has some of the same characters in a new setting, location, time. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I thought. And it was kind of a head scratcher because why would we've only seen these characters together once or twice, so I'm not really ready to see an Elseworlds yet. I think Elseworlds are something when in the comics, uh, I like Elseworlds in the comics and in TV. I think it makes sense. In fact, I wonder if if the 22 episode seasons would be well served by having one or two Elseworlds episodes, they could almost market it that as Elseworlds for a week. But for the crossover, I didn't really want something Elseworlds. Um, but asked on Twitter if if this means the crossover isn't in continuity, Arrow and Legends consultant Mark Guggenheim said no. So I'm not sure why it's called Elseworlds. Presumably they will be doing something with the multiverse or maybe it's framed where the characters are, maybe it is Dr. Destiny, which would which was our speculation from last week if Dr. Destiny is the villain and he takes them into an alternate world that's still kind of in continuity if the characters are going there, either in their brain or elsewhere. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't know. We don't know anything about this crossover. So it's a lot of speculation. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it's pretty similar to other things that they don't like, especially Earth X with the last crossover. You can call that an else world, basically, but it was still in continuity because the characters from the normal Earth are involved and just have to see their evil version. So I guess that makes somewhat sense. But yeah, just the when I see the world else or the word else world, I imagine a story completely set on a different Earth, not the normal versions of characters interacting with that that other Earth. But I mean, that's maybe just being pedantic, but it, it just seems weird. Yeah, Elseworlds were originally started. The official imprint of Elseworlds came later, at least late 80s early 90s at a time when there was only one earth right there was crisis on infinite earth so it led to just one earth so if you wanted to tell other stories they would have to be elseworlds and with the multiverse it kind of blurs the line between the multiverse and elseworlds because before crisis on infinite earth they had elseworlds they just called them imaginary stories dating back to the 40s um and you could and sometimes the elseworlds once the multiverse came back some of the elseworld stories became put on an earth like one of the 52 earths so it, it's really confusing what's else what's the difference between elseworlds and another earth uh so i, I don't know what they're going to do with it but i'm guessing there's something involved with the multiverse is going on here i have no idea uh I, i'm kind of wanting a synopsis just because i'm interested i'm, I'm curious what they're going to do with it you know they're introducing batwoman we have the team all those heroes back together uh and new characters are going to be introduced and so i just have no idea how it fits and whatever is going on at Arkham and all of that. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, and we've still got, you know, a little over two months before it actually happened. So I'm sure we'll get more information. But it's it certainly has been, it seems like it's been a little less straightforward than the other crossovers where I think we knew pretty far in advance or could guess pretty easily what the, the general storyline was going to be. Yeah, I guess personally, I'm just curious. Like, I just want to know what it's about, right. like have a better idea because titling it Elseworlds doesn't tell me anything. Whereas you hear Invasion okay, your crisis on Earth X, okay, you've got a good idea what it is. Uh, just saying Elseworlds and saying nothing else with it is uh, doesn't tell me much. But yeah, I, don't you think, like this is a side thing here, would you like to see Elseworlds in the 22 episode seasons where maybe just an episode or two that have nothing to do with anything, I think they would have to market it in an interesting way or release it in the summer as a special thing. But um, I think that would be cool to see an Elseworlds where we see Green Arrow and Black Canary together for instance, uh, all sorts of things you could do with that. And I think that works well in TV when you get 20 plus episodes a season. 
Right. And I, yeah, I would be totally cool with seeing that, especially with the big thing. And especially if they're doing the breaks, like having these be the episodes that either start or pick up after a break. So it's not, it doesn't, it's not part of the ongoing storyline that gets broken up that way. Um, And yeah, it would be a good way to maybe, it sounds bad, but like break out some, break out of the ruts of some of the repetitive storytelling because it it just happens in a 22, 22 episode season. You're going to end up telling some of the same stories on the different shows. And so Elseworlds really frees you up creatively to do some different stuff. Yeah, I think that would be cool, but I, I don't, we don't have any reason to believe that's going to happen during the crossover. And yeah, I've, yeah, like I said, I'm just really want to know what this is about. I, I legitimately am curious, which maybe that was their goal of just calling it yeah. Elseworlds. But like you said, we're more than two months away. There is, it's going to be the ninth episode of this, those seasons. And we got some really, really interesting car- uh, casting, not a well-known character, but one who is very important for very very important purpose LaMonica Garrett who's been in Transformers 2 in the last ship TV series was cast as Monitor most well known for his role in Crisis on Infinite Earths although the character was introduced a few years before that um this is a very big very powerful character to introduce and I have no idea how it's going to fit in yeah DC Comics had like a character description they said Garrett's going to be playing Marnovu an extraterrestrial being of infinite power known as The Monitor. The Monitor was created by Marv Wolfman and George Perez as part of DC Comics' 50th anniversary. Mr. Perez will be illustrating a sketch of The Monitor that plays a prominent role in the crossover's story. So whenever you introduce a Monitor, like, yeah, it was around for a few years before that, before Crisis on Infinite Earths, but you say Monitor, you think Crisis on Infinite Earths, and the character came back later, Infinite Crisis, Final Crisis, things like that. There was actually Monitors where each one was in charge of an Earth, basically watching the multiverse. And so... Yeah. Um, how how do you think that's going to fit in? <laughs> Again, this I mean, this just kind of along with tiling in Elseworlds just kind of not really muddies the water, but just kind of throws me for a loop. I, I really, really don't know what to expect or what the story is going to be about or involve. But it sounds like they're going to do something big. And I think they've talked about how this is a, a bigger scale than the other crossovers. But or wait, did they say it was going to be a more personal scale? Now I can't remember. I think they said it was going to be a smaller, more personal. So this this doesn't really line up with that. <laughs> yeah, more personal. But they also said that about Crisis on Earth X. Right. So, I mean, you could technically be more personal and also be larger in scale. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't know. Obviously, you think if a monitor comes in, something's going on with the multiverse. You know, Crisis on Infinite Earths was hinted at back to the Flash pilot. Um, Flash vanishes, missing in Crisis. Red Sky disappears. It wouldn't surprise me if they want to get to that eventually. I don't think they're going to do that yet. Um, that was dated for 2024, which maybe things that happen in Flash, you know, Barry asking about his future, maybe that changes, maybe that pushes up the timeline, um, something like that. But uh, Crisis in Infinite, on Infinite Earths is something I'd like to see on the big screen down the line. I don't know how plausible that is. And I would like, and if not there, then I wouldn't mind seeing it on TV, but I don't think it would be very, I don't think they're there yet because really we know earth one the arrow and the flash and legends earth 38 was supergirl and then we don't really care about any of the others <laughs> so like crisis on infiniters wouldn't have much of an impact uh i mean there's jake garrick is on earth three so i would miss him and the trickster mark yeah. hamill from there but other than that so i but do you think i would like to see maybe a smaller crisis mm-hmm. something i've wanted supergirl to merge with Earth One for a long time. I would like to see that mainly because there's no overlap in characters and 
make it easier to have crossover and have it all in one. I think that would I would just prefer that. And I maybe a smaller scale crisis where there's a merge like that that would be pretty cool. And then you could save Crisis on Infinite Nurse for down the line when you bring back the Justice League from Smallville and uh, have that as a separate Earth and go really crazy. No, I, I really like the idea that, that you proposed of a, a smaller crisis, especially if we can get um, Supergirl's Earth merged with the rest of the Arrowverse. That would be that would be pretty cool. Yeah, we wanted that, especially since Supergirl came to the CW. I think it just, every time there's a new show like Batwoman or Black Lightning introduced, it's like, well, what earth is it going to be on? You know, it's interesting right. to speculate, but I'd rather it just all be on the one so we don't have to worry about any of that. Yeah, and maybe that is, you know, what involving Batwoman in this, maybe we will see that. And now, But I keep thinking of other things that we've learned about this crossover, like the big focus with Superman and Lois Lane, and what the heck does that have to do with this? And I really don't know. Yeah, and is it is it... If we're dealing with the multiverse, is it the Superman that we met the from Supergirl? Is it a different one, or is any of the characters the same? I don't know. Uh, and so we're probably doing a bunch of useless speculation, but I guess it's kind of our job here. Exactly. Um, but yeah, but bringing in the Monitor, uh, that's a really cool, really powerful character. And I'm curious to see. So normally the Monitors are helpful and watch the multiverse, but LaMonica Garrett, when he tweeted it out, he just said, villain, hero? Uh, you'll have to wait and see. <laughs> Um, so the monitor's technically good, but the monitors do have a twin, the more well-known anti-monitor. So I don't, I don't think we'll see that yet. Um, but anti-monitor and live action down the road sometime is something I would like to see. Yeah. And the, the monitor, sorry, monitor, anti-monitor are probably things that we wouldn't see on the big screen anytime soon. And so I, I think it's cool that they're bringing it to the TV, sh- TV shows. Yeah. But really cool. Really po- I mean, monitors probably comic book monitor would be arguably the most powerful character in the Arrowverse, probably by far. Yeah. So um, I wonder how they're going to do that, how that's all going to fit in and, and what the character is going to look like. Yeah. But on to Titans for our last little bit of news. A new poster was released as we get ready for the October 12th release of this show on DC Universe. Uh, I kind of like this poster. This is probably, probably my favorite I mean, image or anything like this. We get to see a little bit more finished effects. Raven looks cool. They all look cool. Yeah, I I was a little down on the last posters we saw, and I, I maybe made fun of it a little bit too much about the their photoshopping. But this this looks pretty well done, and like you said, this I think this is my favorite poster that I've seen from it so far. We also got four different clips, so one each of the main four Titans: Beast Boy, Robin, Starfire, and Raven. They're all about less than thirty seconds each, but they give us a little bit of information on the character and the looks of them. And the first time we've even really seen Beast Boy and Starfire talk. What do you think of these? I I. Overall, I'd say I liked all of them. They pretty much all feel like they are for a different TV show. They <laughs> they have a very, very different feel, which I guess is good because that means that there's going to be some variety on the show if if we get those different feels from these different characters. But it's also a little bit confusing, especially in, in conjunction with some of the other clips we've seen from Titans, to get a read on what is this show going to be like? What is the tone of this show? And what is the kind of like, I don't know, main main kind of story that's driving it forward? And I don't know if this answered those questions for me. That's that's a really fair point. And I think uh, these clips overall, I liked them quite a bit. And I wasn't impressed with the, terribly impressed with the first trailer, but I do like what I've seen since then. And Jeff Johns talked a little bit at Comic-Con about how the, the trailer had a really dark tone, but that wasn't all that was to it. So... It's going to be a little bit different based on what character they're seeing. So Beast Boy, I mean, you're going to have a ton of humor with that. So not only is their tonally different, going to be 
it's going to be a bit of a tonal mishmash, but also story-wise, he, he mentioned how Starfire is their link to aliens and sci-fi and that kind of thing, Beast Boy, and, and Raven's a link to the supernatural, and Robin is that dark, gritty, gritty, powerless crime fighter. So it's a real mix-mash, mismash, and I wonder how it's all going to fit together. I think it's going to be tricky to pull off, but it could be, if done well, it could fit really well. Yeah. The other other thing I think I was worried about was obviously this has a pretty small budget. Beast Boy, you want to see pretty cool representations. And I got to say the the tiger, it looks pretty cool. It it looks a lot better than like Gorilla Grodd on the CW shows and that's my that's my main comparison for CGI animals in the DC TV world. So it, it looks pretty good. Yeah, I, th- I I didn't have a problem with that at all. I thought it was a good transformation. All right, well that is all we have for today. Thanks for listening and we'll be back soon.